0: is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. For all the talk and I find most of it pretty on the money actually, about how polarized the current media environment is, you know, there seems to be one issue that if you look at the conservative networks, if you look at the liberal networks, if you look at the ostensibly objective networks, they all cover pretty much the same way. That is the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The narrative on all these networks generally goes something like this. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a Hitlerian-style madman, and he invaded his neighbor, an innocent country that was just minding its own business, and the United States has got to do something. You watch Fox News, with the exception of Tucker Carlson, that's the narrative you get. You watch MSNBC, that's the narrative you get. You watch CNN, that's the narrative you get. That's why I am always on the lookout for alternative media organizations that provide differing commentary, that provide a more critical look at some of those facts. And, uh, one of those media outlets has been Gray Zone News. And I'm very, very pleased to welcome, uh, Max Blumenthal, editor of Gray Zone News, co-host of the Moderate Rebels podcast, and author of the book, The Management of Savagery. Max, thanks for staying up late with us. Thanks for bringing me on, Frank. Now, for folks that aren't familiar with you or uh, The Gray Zone, and we've had your colleague Aaron Maté on before, what exactly is The Gray Zone?
1: Well, we're an alternative, independent site. We're all, we're alternative because corporate media will not tell people the truth. It is basically state media at this point representing certain political factions and mafias, and we just do investigative, nonpartisan journalism on some of the most controversial issues, which I think are some of the most important relating to war and peace, which is obviously dictating now our economic future.
0: Do you guys um, have a leaning left right that you that people should be aware of so they could guard themselves against your propaganda?
1: Yeah, I think everyone who's who fancies themselves on the right should hold up a talisman right now and ward off our left-wing demons. <laughs> we, we, we do come from the left, but the funny thing is, you know, we have a lot of uh, right-leaning readers. We're nonpartisan, and one of the few national posts that has any of us on is Tucker Carlson.
0: Uh, now give me your uh, take On the Ukraine situation to date, I realize it's difficult to take 30 years of foreign policy and uh, hundreds of years of history between Ukraine and Russia and boil that down to a uh, 60 second hot take. But uh, given what we've seen over the course of the last five or six weeks, tell me uh, how you think uh, things are going and where your analysis differs from the conventional narrative we've heard in the rest of the media.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll try to boil it down to 60 seconds. The most important thing to understand is that the Ukrainian government's most potent weapon right now is information warfare, not actual warfare. It is running out of artillery in many places. It's best units in the east of Ukraine. The most contentious areas are surrounded by Russia's military. And so its only hope for victory or holding off the Russians is to bring NATO forces and specifically the U.S. directly into the conflict, something the Pentagon does not want to do because the Pentagon does not want to confront a nuclear power. And so its information warfare focuses on dramatic incidents disseminated through Western corporate media to your audience and American citizens to build a pressure on Joe Biden to actually intervene directly, not just to send weapons, but to actually fight Russian troops directly. And that's why we're hearing all of this news out of Bukha, or mm. We hear about 300 dead in a theater in Mariupol. And the these the stories, one after another, are either proven false or to not exactly be what we were told they were. But that's what is needed in order to trigger a kind of red line. The same thing we saw in Syria with the U.S.-backed Syrian armed opposition, who are not exactly democratic forces; they were they are aligned with Al Qaeda, and in Ukraine, we're seeing a lot of these paramilitaries who are incorporated into the Ukrainian military are actually themselves neo Nazis.
0: Uh, well, we want to come back to that because that's been a controversial subject as well. Yeah. But uh, I want to follow up on what you alluded to with these reports that we're seeing out of Bucha. What we've yeah. been seeing all day on television and hearing on radio, including from many of my colleagues here at WABC has been okay the russians sort of retreated out uh, you know where they were near kyiv and because they've backed off we've now been able to get a fuller picture of exactly what happened in buka and evidently there's a lot of photographic evidence of war crimes, civilians that have been brutally murdered by the Russian military. Admiral Kirby, the spokesperson for the Department of Defense, talked about these images out of Bucha yesterday.
1: I wonder if you can just talk about what you thought this weekend when you saw the first
0: pictures out of Bucha. Uh, I'm,
1: a, I'm a grandfather, and
0: uh, you know, I just. Uh, I had the same reaction I think so many other people did. Um, it, It turned my stomach. It turned my stomach. Not to be outdone, President Biden also got into the war crimes game, calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter, to show what happened to Lucas, this warrants him he is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual, have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Bukha is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. Up to Allah. Up to no, I think it is a war crime. Uh, tell me, Max, what, what you know about the images out of BuCA, and is Admiral Kirby, is President Biden right? Are these war crimes?
1: Confirmed anything. In fact, the, the Pentagon that he speaks for has just said that, it explicitly stated that it cannot confirm any official story out of BuCA. What we know is that until March 30th, BuCA was controlled by the Russian military and the BBC and other mainstream Western outlets were reporting in the middle of March that there was intense fighting around Bucha and that Ukrainian forces and Ukrainian authorities were themselves digging graves, kind of like mass graves for those who were killed on the Ukrainian side, not execution style, but either through combat or shelling. So when we hear about mass graves, it probably relates to that. On March 30th, Bucha's Ukrainian mayor returned. He recorded a video and he said that he you know, we've defeated the Russians, he used a derogatory term for Russians, and he didn't refer to any bodies in the streets. Up until April 2nd, when the Ukrainian national police announced a cleaning operation, a cleanup operation in Buka, they did not refer to any bodies in the streets. And it was on April 2nd that neo-Nazi forces of the so-called Bozeman Brigade of Sergei Kropotin, who is a notorious neo-Nazi figure from the Azov battalion, began posting video on their Telegram channels and began referring to people wearing non-blue armbands, which mark Ukrainian forces, including white armbands, and asking permission to shoot them. And you can actually see in these videos people saying, yeah, you have permission to shoot them from these paramilitaries. We don't know what happened next. But what you see in some of these videos and in some of the photographs, in many of them, in fact, are civilians or, or men of military age who are wearing white armbands, lying face down, who are shot. The white armbands are what people wore in order to tell you Russian forces that they were either friendly or were willing to accept aid. The hardcore nationalist or neo-Nazi elements that have been incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard see those white armbands as a sign of being Russian spies or collaborators, And they have in the past punished them harshly. In fact, 11 mayors from Ukraine are currently missing right now because they've been accused of Russian sympathies. And one thing that listeners need to understand is 30% or so of Ukraine's population are ethnic Russians who have been identified by the government in Kiev as a national security threat. So what we could see in VUCA are people who have been killed for supposed Russian sympathies. They also could have been killed in shelling by Russian or Ukrainian forces and photographed. But right now, we don't know. Even Joe Biden said he doesn't know and there needs to be an investigation. So we need to consider all angles and also consider the fact that Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president who just appeared at the Grammy is the leading lobbyist right now mm. for a direct U.S. military confrontation with Russia, in other words, World War Three. And so he needs us to react to this in a rash way.
0: Now, the other, um, and we're talking with Max Blumenthal, he's the editor of Grey Zone News, also the co-host of the Moderate Rebels podcast. The other story which really struck an emotional chord with many of our listeners and many American audiences was the story about the Russians' attacking a hospital which included a maternity ward. A lot of folks say that surely fits the definition of a war crime. What was your analysis of the validity of that story, the supposed maternity ward attack?
1: Well, I think many people listening might think it was wrong for Russia to be in Mariupol at all. And Russia's entry, military incursion into Mariupol led to urban warfare. That has turned parts of the city into ruins. I think that's beyond debate. But here we have a hospital and Western media leading with The Associated Press accusing Russia's air force of deliberately targeting a maternity hospital with an airstrike. An eyewitness to this incident, who was the main witness, photographed by the AP. Her photo is everywhere. people listening right now, if you if you so of a pregnant woman from Ukraine who is standing in rubble, this is her. And she was evacuated and she delivered testimony of what took place from her perspective. And what she said was that there was shelling in the area. One of the shells hit close to the hospital. It didn't wound her, but there was no airstrike. She was unable to tell if there was an airstrike. And as she was leaving the hospital, which soldiers from the Ukrainian military had occupied, where they had taken their food, She was then photographed against her will by an associated press photographer who was a Ukrainian embedded with Ukrainian forces. I mean, essentially a a pro-Kiev propagandist. So basically what she said was that Russia did not deliberately target the hospital and that this was a, a propaganda ploy, another one, in order to tug at Western heartstrings to convince us that we should support direct Intervention. Now, she didn't say that explicitly, but what she said stood at stark odds with the story that's been told to us by our media. And so what did the Associated Press do with this witness? A woman who was pregnant in distress, a victim of war who was evacuated. They wrote a piece attacking her and kind of mocking her in order to salvage the reputation of their own staff that had misreported this story. And we've seen this again and again and again in this conflict starting with the ghost of Kiev, an imaginary Ukrainian pilot who right. killed 40 Russians. It never happened. And Adam Kinzinger, um, this sort of like rhino Republican from Illinois, tweeted about the heroism of the ghost of Kiev. This is a member of Congress tweeting about an imaginary pilot. So this is the kind of world that we've been thrust into. It's a fake news world. that, And, and fake news, you know, it's bad. But sometimes we can just laugh at it. But here we're teetering on the brink of World War Three. And so it needs to be taken seriously.
0: No, no doubt about it. Um, speaking of world wars, I want to come back to issue mentioned a couple of times the issue of a neo-Nazi element on the Ukrainian side. A lot of folks dismiss this as sort of pro-Russian propaganda. They think logically, after all, Vladimir Zelensky is Jewish. Why would he be in any sort of partnership with neo-Nazis groups? Explain that to folks. What do we know for a fact about what role neo-Nazi militias are playing on the pro-Ukraine side? And why would a Jewish president like Zelensky, who has no problem invoking Holocaust analogies, why would he partner with the Nazis?
1: Well, great question. And and, and it's true, uh, Russian... State media does make a lot out of this because it's true. The Azov Battalion, which is the most potent fighting force in the Ukrainian National Guard, which has done the bulk of the fighting in Mariupol and is now surrounded, is an officially neo-Nazi organization. They wear Nazi wolf's angel and Sonnenrod patches on their uniforms. These were symbols that the SS, the Nazi SS, wore on their uniforms. They believe in a white christian reconquest of europe and they revere the world war ii era nazi collaborator stepan bandera who is considered the father of ukrainian nationalism they make no secret about this they're not ashamed of it and western media has reported on this extensively every major western media outlet has done reporting on their children's camps where they indoctrinate children into neo-nazi ideology but now, no one wants to talk about it because Putin poses a great, th- a greater threat to U.S. hegemony in Eastern Europe. So it's inconvenient. There's no other military in the world I can think of that actually formally incorporates neo-Nazi units from the mm-hmm. Azov battalion to the IDAR battalion to the right sector into its military, except Ukraine. And the Interior Ministry of Ukraine has incorporated the civilian arm of the Azov battalion in order to, for example, carry out cleansing operations against Roma people who are sleeping by the train stations in Kiev in order to remove them. So it's a huge problem, and not all Ukrainians support these groups, but they have a monopoly on violence in Mm -hmm. many places. And so Zelensky might even oppose them himself, but they have been able to intimidate him into submission. And now He's become the war president after campaigning on a platform of peace.
0: President Biden seemingly called for regime change a little more than a week ago and said, uh, for God's sake, uh, Putin can't remain in power. He tried to back off that comment a little bit and say, basically, there's no change in policy. This was just President Biden saying Putin can't remain in power in Ukraine. Uh, Give me your take on what Biden said, what the implications of that are, and sort of the walk back from Jen Psaki and others.
1: Yeah, it was pretty obvious that Biden was kind of going off script in a candid way and expressing the discussions that are had in private within the White House. The goal all along has been regime change in Moscow. Uh, this is expressed in the think tanks in Washington, like Rancorp, which is the unofficial think tank of the Pentagon. Anyone listening now can Google Rancorp's paper, Overextending Russia, which spells out the importance of Ukraine to a policy of regime change in Russia. Um, You know, Canada's government has called for starving out the Russian government through sanctions. Uh, This is just something that's been clearly on the table for a long time. And I think it's something Biden said that makes diplomacy impossible and prevents an exit ramp out of this conflict. And that speaks to the more immediate strategy. I don't think regime change is part of the short-term strategy. The immediate strategy is to drag out this conflict as a proxy war for as long as possible and bleed Russia through Ukraine. But that also means bleeding Ukrainian people. I mean, the comments you played earlier from Biden, where he said, we need to send more weapons to Ukraine because of what we saw in Bukha, that's the strategy. And it's just to fight this war down to the last Ukrainian, which means... That the longer this war goes on and the longer that to Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, refuses to beat with his counterpart in Russia, Sergei Lavrov, the more Ukrainians will die. And that is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. I think diplomacy is what needs to be the short term strategy.
0: Absolutely. Um, it, I certainly agree with that. Now, why do you think, with the exception of a couple of media, uh, media personalities or media outlets, why do you think – All of the Western media coverage, whether it's from supposed right-wing networks like Newsmax, OAN and Fox or supposed left-wing networks, why do you think so much of this coverage about Russia and Ukraine is the same? Usually, at least there's some semblance of wanting to offer an alternative to the prevailing narrative. Why is that alternative commentary lacking in the news coverage of this Russia-Ukraine situation?
1: Great question. I mean, on the right, you know, with the Sean Hannity's, the Newsmax people, they see Russia as one in the same as the Soviet Union. And it's the, you know, the anti longstanding anti communist fervor of the kind of mainstream right that animates their perspective, along with a reverence for the U.S. military, even though the rank and file of the U.S. military does not want to fight this war. Then, with the, the liberal progressive types, they're seeing this entire conflict in light of Russia Gate and uh, propagandizing and brainwashing of Trump Russia. For them, it's part of a culture war where Putin is the leader of a global conservative tidal wave of right wing, uh, you know, right wing reactionary ideology. It's it, 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 so that they're they're unable to see this clearly either. But for both sides and for people in the media. They identify with the American elite more than the American people and the American elite are who are driving Mm, this war. They're the ones who are willing. They're the ones who are willing to say that we need higher gas prices and inflation and higher food prices in order to show resolve in the face of Putin. And normal people in America, they do not care about this conflict. They care about feeding their children and being able to put their kids into better schools. And that, so, so our government and our media have totally forsaken the American people in order to fight some war thousands of miles away, a proxy war, a totally cynical proxy war that could be resolved through diplomacy.
0: On Fox News Sunday, uh, Brett Baer did a live interview with the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky. Interestingly, there was one part of that live interview that did not make the rebroadcast. It was edited out of the rebroadcast, and it also didn't make the YouTube uploads that Fox News puts out on YouTube. This is what Vladimir Zelensky said that was cut out of the rebroadcast and of the YouTube uploads. I have you clear something up for us uh, and this is these reports about the Azov battalion that is said to be Nazi affiliated organization operating as a militia in your country uh, said to be committing their own atrocities. What should Americans know about that unit, about those res- reports?
1: So Azov was one of those many battalions. They are what they are. They were defending our country. And later, I want to explain to you, everything uh, from uh, all the components of those volunteer battalions later uh, were um, incorporated into the, the military of Ukraine.
0: Very interesting. I thought a great question by Brett Baer and a very revealing answer by Zelensky. He didn't sit there and say these people aren't Nazis. He said they are what they are. And I am just blown away that Fox chose to omit that from their rebroadcast of the interview.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's not journalism, is it? That is the antithesis of journalism. And it also shows who Zelensky is. I mean, this is someone who actually never said anything about his Jewish heritage until it became an important propaganda weapon in this conflict. He always tolerated these forces and would meet with them and negotiate with them and take them seriously. And so here you see the real Zelensky, someone who accepts them as part of Ukrainian politics, hardcore neo-Nazis, simply because they're the muscle. And you have Fox News just Editing. I mean, and and it's the mainstream wing of Fox News. It's Brett Baer, who's part of the Beltway culture. So they're depriving Americans of the context they need to understand this conflict when we are walking on a knife's edge.
0: There was uh, an article that put you in the basket of deep state conspiracy theories with respect to the Academy Awards and the Will Smith uh, slap. Do you believe that the um, that the Will Smith slap was some sort of a a deep state conspiracy to, uh, I don't know, do something?
1: Well, I actually didn't see this article. Who I, I, it? Oh,
0: I'll send, I'll, I'll send it to you. But um, <laughs> it, it basically uh, – it, it alleged that uh, – oh, and I figured you had gotten a- asked about this uh, a bunch already, but – it essentially says that um, – uh, it, it's uh, the author was uh, A.J. Dillon, but it essentially <laughs> says uh, – it, it says, um, just to ask Max Blumenthal, a Putin apologist and the editor of the conspiratorial blog The Gray Zone, Blumenthal theorized on Twitter that the slap was a manufactured distraction to keep everyone from paying attention to alleged atrocities committed by a unit of the National Guard of Ukraine. Is that a, an – act? aside from the hyperbolic descriptions. Is that an accurate description of what you think happened at the Oscars? No, I mean, and you can see this
1: character who's like so vicious that he won't even recognize that the gray zone has done more reporting, like field reporting and investigative reporting in a month than he'll do in his entire career. He won't even quote what I said, which was just sort of a like a lighthearted rem- comment about how the Will Smith slap had distracted everyone from the Ukraine monomaniacal focus that was imposed on them by corporate media. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I just said just in time for all of the atrocities uh, pouring out about what the Azov battalion is doing, because it was definitely interrupting the narrative and people were beginning to take note of like a more complicated view of this conflict. But I I mean, there was there I don't think there's any evidence that I alleged that Will Smith was conspiring with the Ukrainian government. That's kind of laughable. It it is. It is. I don't even think they think I'm that crazy.
0: (laughs) Max, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Maybe we could chat again next week about vaccines, Julian Assange and a few other items.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's make it uh, closer to 1 a.m. if possible. (laughs) I'll work on it.
0: I'll work on it. Max, thanks. You're a trooper for staying up this late.